Don't look now. Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hegeman coming at you yet again this week with another episode of Random Interest. So, Jenny, what is what is our topic or lead into whatever topic we might have today? Well, um, my thing this week was that I was super depressed this weekend because we're basically living in an apocalyptic fantasies right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So most boring, I, horrifying apocalypse of all time. Right? right. It's the slowest moving apocalypse, and every time something new and weird pops up, I'm just like, "Okay, this is the thing. This is going to be the catalyst for real movement and thing." Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, and we got bored with that. Let's move on. Yeah. Which is the first apocalypse where everyone is seems to have collectively decided that it's boring and they're not going to pay attention to it anymore. Which I. Interesting. Really would have guessed from every post-apocalyptic movie I ever saw was everybody just decided that the apocalypse was over, and yeah. about about their life, whether it, it made sense to or not. So, let's just pretend it's not happening. I mean, that probably is the most millennial thing that that's yeah, the most American with. thing of all time. But you know, it's, yeah. So um, I thought that if we're going to talk about apocalypses and the end of the world, why don't we talk about a doomsday cult? Because it's been a minute. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we haven't done a good cult in quite a while. So I know. So this one is kind of fun um, in that it's different than a lot of the cults that we have looked at. Okay. So this cult is um, in Uganda, which... Huh. I realized after I wrote it that I could have picked a much more interesting subject about Africa probably to start off with that didn't have something to do with mayhem, but <laughs> uh, Ugandan cult sounds fun to me. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's different. So the, <laughs> the name of this cult is the movement for the restoration of the 10 commandments of God. Alrighty. Um, and it's founded by Credonia Merwende, Joseph Kibutiri and B. Trait. Nice. And you always know it's a good cult when the name is overly long. Right. Those are three people, actually. Oh, I'm just saying the name of the cult. Oh, when, the name of the cult. The name of the yeah. cult isn't just, you know, the country club. It's the, you know, right. the club like, for the blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, it's legit kind of like. Exactly. Like, Republic of the Congo. The longer it gets, then the crazier the country is, you know. I love it. Um, I first off, I think the DCR is a fascinating country that oh, yes. I could do a whole well, not fun, but interesting history there. Interesting history, current politics, um, just fascinating biology diversity. It's a very interesting country to me. Yep. Um, and I agree, the longer the name of the cult, the more fascinating their mission seems to be. Yep. Uh, and the usually, interesting... <laughs> oh, usually they shorten it up, but I have never yeah. seen this one's name shortened. So maybe yes. this is just I'll stumble across full it. length. All right. So yeah, yeah. I just had so, to say that the DCR just reminds me of there's some general law that no country can have democratic in its name and actually be democratic. Just I, I mean, fair. I just always find that interesting that the if you use democratic in your name of your country, you are horrifying but yeah 
well, that country is basically just run by terror. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a terror regime. Not necessarily terrorist, but it's a terror it's, regime. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, bad. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Uganda. Back to the cults. All right. Um, just a side note of interest. Uh, Uganda is currently taking in DCR um, okay. people, refugees. I saw that in an article while I was researching this. Anyhow, so this cult was formed in the late 1980s after Cardonia Merwinde and Joseph Kibutiri claimed they had seen visions of the Virgin So there nice. were five main leaders, which is a lot in a cult. Yeah. Um, and they each had very important kind of roles that brought people on board. But the most important thing to note is that this is a religion based on Catholicism okay. and Marian visions, which are right. what the vision of the Virgin Mary is. Okay. So just a little background on the country. Um, Uganda kind of had been marked with a lot of political and social turmoil before this cult was formed. And during that period of time, um, some things that were happening was the rule of Idi Amin, the AIDS pandemic, and the Ugandan Bush War, which had wreaked havoc across the entire country. And people had become really pessimistic and fatalistic. And at the same time, the Roman Catholic Church, which had a huge presence in Uganda, was starting to backslide. And they were enveloped in a ton of scandals. And a lot of the true faithful people were becoming really dissatisfied with the religion. So there created this really big void that people were facing. Okay. Um, and many post-Catholic groups formed during the late 80s because people were so confused and so traumatized. So they would turn to these charismatic self-declared messiahs who renounced the authority of the government and of the church. Um, another one of the, the resistance groups, which was a Christian resistance group, was called the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Movement, not Holy Spearmint Movement. Two different things. <laughs> the Double Mint Gum Movement. Yes. Yeah, the Double Mint Gum of Africa. No. <laughs> um, but they fought against the government of Yawiri Musavni. Yeah. Okay. So a former member of another unrelated group would explain his motivation to join the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God was that we joined the movement as a protest against the Catholic Church. We had good intentions. Mm -hmm. The church was failing us. The priests were covered in scandal. Eggs had, AIDS had just taken over, um, and it was totally taking the toll on the faithful, and the world seemed poised to an end. So I would like to in interject here for just a minute. Um, I read a book while I was writing my master's thesis that um, talked about the AIDS pandemic in Africa, and it utilized um, a, a Catholic priest had written this book and he was explaining how the AIDS pandemic took over in Africa at the time. And it was because the people were having internal like moral conflicts. So if you ever ask someone if they had been with someone outside of their marriage, they would tell you no, because it went against their faith. Mm -hmm. But 90% of people that were contracting AIDS were cheating on their spouses. Yeah, There was a lot of violence against women, um, and there was no use of contraception. I was going to say the push against contraceptives would be right. not cool in that situation. So those were the things that they were really fighting with, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So the earliest origins of this movement had been traced back to Credonium or Wende's father, Paolo Kashuki. Kashuk. Kashuk. In 1960, he actually claimed to have a vision of his deceased daughter, Evangelista, who told him he would have visions of heaven. Um, and then in 1988, he saw Jesus Christ, the Virgin Mary, and St. Joseph. His daughter, Credonia, had these similar visions, and she was involved in a virgin cult. In 1989, he introduces her to spread the message across Uganda on the orders of the Virgin Mary. In that year, she meets Joseph Kibuteri and tells him about her communications. Before she founded this giant movement, she was a shopkeeper, a brewer of banana beer, which I really think sounds good. <laughs> i got to try that now. All right. And a prostitute. Um, she was described as being the true power in the movement. And um, Kibuteri says that the meetings were chaired by Sister Cardonia, who was the de facto head of the group. Uh, she was also the source of the predictions of an apocalypse and the pronouncements that salvation could only be found within the Virgin Mary's message. Her claim was that she received messages from the Virgin Mary through a hidden telephone system that spoke through objects such as cups and plates. Interesting. There's one I've not heard before. I thought it was especially interesting. Um, can you imagine walking into someone who's holding up a plate to their ear? <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Mary says, don't do that. That's a bad idea. What, Mary? Oh, hold on. Let me get my, let me get my cup. Yes, Mary. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> uh, I, I just, just ops to mind because I think last time we were talking about real genius and one of the great things in that That's movie is when they wire up the horrible TA's head with speakers and then basically, you know, tell him that they're Jesus talking to him. And, uh, yeah. Kent, this is Jesus. Yes, Stop Kent. playing with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it really is you, God. Yeah, okay. Yes, good stuff. <laughs> That's part of the movie. Uh, it's yeah. terrible. That's a terrible thing to do. Someone. Yeah, you should, should never do such things to people except it's hilarious. Except All right, anyway. Funny, yeah. That's that. Some reason that just suddenly played into my mind as we're talking about people receiving messages through their through their dishes. But, yeah. It's funny because that's exactly how probably because I saw that movie when I was at a very impressionable age. But when people talk about hearing voices or seeing God, uh -huh. that's the vision yeah. in my yeah, head. Yeah. Is Kent current. It's God current. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that you got you? Uh, okay. Anyway, another pitch for a real genius for those who have not seen it yet. I did have someone reach out to me after last week's episode um, and say they have never seen Real Genius. Um, ah. My heart broke a little bit. I hope that you have <laughs> rectified this mistake since we last spoke because I explained to you how important that was. Yeah, it's a, it's Hashtag a... I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Please watch the movie. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, Joseph Kibitiri claimed to have a vision of the Virgin Mary in 1984. Credonia Merwind also had a similar vision in a cavern near Kibuteri's house in Rawashimare, Uganda. In 1989, the two met and formed the movement for the rest restoration of the Ten Commandments of God with the mission to spread the Virgin's message about the apocalypse. The group grew super rapidly and started to attract several defrocked Catholic priests and nuns who worked as theologians. Um, and this helped to rationalize all the messages from the leadership. Makes me curious as to what they were defrocked for. Well, I'll give you a clue on one of them. So two of the arrivals were excommunicated priests, Paul Ikazare and Dominic 
Katarababo. Katarababo. I had these down. I've practiced them, and then I, I falter. Anyhow, um, so the sect grew importance with the arrival of Dominic Katarababo, who was a respected and popular priest with a PhD from a university in the United States. Um, mm. He was also very well respected and a very popular priest before he joined the cult in the 1980s. He was friends with the Attorney General of Uganda, Bart Katerbi, who said he had tried in vain to get Katabaro to return to the church. Um, it apparently was after he came back from America that he did not want to be a part of the Roman Catholic Church anymore. Um, he said that, I don't think America changed him, but he was just exposed to all these new ideas. So... Katara Babo left the U.S. in 1987, earned his degree in religious studies from Loyola, Loyola Marymount University, which okay. is one of America's top Roman Catholic colleges. I didn't realize that. Um, and staff there said that he mostly got B's. FERPA, hello. How do they talk about people's grades? <laughs> this is the 90s. I get this. Anyhow, he got mostly B's, and he was a pretty ordinary student. Um, the attorney general says that Mr. Katababa was a model priest and was the last person you would expect to join a cult. He also had a degree from Makire University and was a rector of Kitabi Seminary, where he was known as a really good counselor. So everyone said that he was super intelligent. He was in, interested in the regional development. Um, and the thing was, was that he was really interested in everybody. He cared about people. So it really surprised people when this doomsday cult ends up killing everyone. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler, huh? Yeah. A doomsday cult killing people. No way. Yeah. Right. Yes. So one guy says, I've known him since I was born. He was one of the priests at my wedding. And they were super shattered when they found out what happened. And they didn't know what to believe. So um, Mr. Katirbe says that Katarabo fell out with the Roman Catholic Church because he started seeing visions of the Virgin Mary as well. And he said the world was going to come to an end because it had become so sinful. So it's probably really hard when you see all the priests and nuns around you backsliding and yeah. creating, you know, entering mortal sins and such and not being able to help people when you're, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, he said that the Virgin Mary was interceding for the world and appeared to holy people and would ask them to pray. People would ask him, if you've seen an apparition, why don't you allow the church to make the necessary investigations? Um, and he basically said that there's no time because something's going to be here quicker than we could get it recognized by the Pope. And they did actually contact the Pope at one time, but they did never declared it a legitimate Virgin Mary, a Marian sighting. Okay. Um, we could go into a whole thing about Marian sightings because they're actually really <laughs> difficult to get justified and there's only been like a handful of them. So in order to obtain more funds for the increasing number of disciples, Kibwateri sold his three other properties, um, car and milling machines. And by the late 90s, the church had grown into a thriving community. They had uh, pineapple and banana plantations that they managed. The members lived in community lived communally on land bought by pooling their assets, which they sold when they joined the movement. I've seen that before. And Merwinde claimed to receive messages from the Virgin Mary, like I said, through that hidden telephone system. Mm -hmm. um, 
No, I just put that in there twice. I don't know why. Anyhow, in Western Uganda, they built houses for recruitment, indoctrination, and worship, and a primary school. <laughs> so they allowed kids, which, cool. Um, the year 2000 was settled on as the final compelling date for the sex predictions of the apocalypse. Devotion to the movement regularly involved a pilgrimage to a steep rocky hill nearby. After a tough hike through a eucalyptus forest, they would have to hang on to rocks and grab at the tufts of grass to reach the peak. Hmm. Um, the faithful would reach a rock that they believed depicted the Virgin Mary. So there was a lot of pilgrimaging involved. All right. In 1992, climbing, right? Yeah. I, sounds like dangerous climbing at that. Yes. Sounds like somebody with a fear of heights like me would not enjoy it. That's... No, I... See, my fear of heights will keep me safe from cults. That's, that's good. good. I thought my know. fear of heights would keep me more safe when it came to doing stupid things. Um, but when I was in Wyoming, I have to admit, probably those were not the safest places to put a person of my size to get to the sites. We went up these little like goat trails is the only way to describe them. Yeah. And there would be times when they would be washed out and they'd be like, just hold on here and jump. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what? that sounds fun. Fat already can't breathe fat. The collapse. That's all I see is just this whole wall collapsing. I'm just going to hang out here, guys. It's cool. Did it? Uh, yeah. But you're still here, so clearly it worked. I was still pretty uh, elastic at that time because that was when I was still in my 20s. So, you know, you have extra bones apparently then that you can afford to break. In 1992, the group was ordered out of Weshmare by the village elders and moved to Kanungu, um, which is where Mwende's father had offered an extensive property for them to use. So then in 1994, Paul is is Zare, who was one of those deep rocked priests, leaves the sect, and with him he takes seventy of their members. These people kind of are. Mm-hmm. Sure, Paul. <laughs> Take those unfaithful. We'll be here with the the Marian visions. It'll be fine. Yeah. By 1997, according to a filing with the government, the movement's membership was listed at five thousand people. That's pretty quick. Seven years to get yeah. five thousand. In 1998. The Ugandan press reported that the movement had been shut down for unsanitary conditions, the use of child labor, possibly the kidnapping of children. However, the government decided it was okay to let them reopen and drop <laughs> charges. That seems so. Lived to regret that one, I am sure. Um, but the thing was, was that the, the new millennium was approaching, which is when they thought the world was ending too. So maybe yeah. there was someone that was like, I mean, if that's what's going to happen... Let, let them do their thing, right? So as the new millennium approaches, preparations for the end mount. And in 1999, the state-owned New Vision newspaper ran an interview with one of the teenage members, and he says, the world ends next year. There's no time to waste. Some of our leaders talk directly to God. Any minute from now, when the end comes, everybody who believed will be as yet, will be at an undisclosed location, and we will be saved. Everybody else going to die. So the new year is kind of sneaking up on everybody and everybody in the movement starts to get wild, like super frenzied. The leaders are urging everybody to confess all of their sins before the end is near Mm -hmm. clothes and their cattle were sold. Um, Past members re-recruited. Everybody stopped working in the fields. All shit just stopped because they were getting ready for the end. 
and then January 1st, 2000 happens, and there was no apocalypse. That's when things start to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Questions started getting asked um, from Rwanda and Kibuteri, and payments to the church just kind of like nosedive. Mm -hmm. The Ugandan police department believed that some members who'd been required to sell their possessions and turn over all the money to the movement rebelled and demanded the return of some of their money. Um, and it's believed that everything that kind of happened after that point was the response to the crisis um, okay. within the community. So the next date that was immediately predicted after mm -hmm. the apocalypse did not happen was March 17th, 2000. This is the end of the world. St. Patty's Day, huh? I mean, probably not that inaccurate. Something. <laughs> so they said that there would be a big ceremony and a lot of finality when the world ended. Um, and the movement decides to hold a really big party I mean, they said there was going to be a ceremony. Yeah. Um, so the parties held at Kenugu, where they roast three bulls, drank 70 crates of soft drinks, specifically apparently Coca-Cola. And maybe <laughs> it's just like what you can get there really easily. I'm not sure. And about two minutes after the members all arrived at the party, nearby villagers hear an explosion. And the building's gutted with an intense fire that kills all 530 people in attendance, including dozens of children. Ugh. The uh, windows and doors to the building had been boarded up so people couldn't get out. Uh. The fire alerted the Ugandan authorities as to what had been occurring in the movement. Several days before, movement leader Dominic Katabara, Katarbabo was seen buying 50 liters of sulfuric acid, which they think was the... Um, accelerant for the fire and then another party was planned for the 18th in which they thought that the sect leaders had probably announced in order to mislead authorities on their actual plans yeah and all five principal leaders are assumed to have died because remember paul left with his people so everybody else was assumed to have died in the fire maybe <laughs> Four days after the church fire, the police investigated the movement properties and discovered that there were hundreds of bodies at sites across southern Uganda. Um, there were people discovered sealed in the latrine at the Kanugu compound, as well as 153 bodies at the compound in Buhanagi. Mm. Buhanagi. I don't know. 155 bodies at the Dominic uh, Katarababo's estate in Rukazi. Um, they had been poisoned and stabbed. And 81 bodies at the leader Joseph Nyamarinda's farm. Um, and police thought that they had all been murdered about three weeks prior to the big fire on March 17th. Wow. Other than the individuals who died in the fire, medical examiners determined that the majority of the dead sect members had been poisoned. So of those other about, what, 500 people, mm -hmm. most of them had been poisoned. Um, early on, they suggested that they had been strangled because there was a lot of twisted banana fibers around their necks, um, but that could have been indicative of something else as well. After searching all the sites, the police concluded that earlier estimates of nearly a thousand deaths had probably been exaggerated, and the final death toll was 924 <laughs> of their 5,000 members. So not a thousand, 924, so yes. Yeah. 
totally, totally different. Okay. Yeah. It's no big deal, of- everyone. It wasn't a thousand. It was nine hundred. Still a lot of damn people, right? That is insane. Yes. Well, after inter- interviews and investigations, the police ruled out cult suicide and instead consider it to be a mass murder conducted by the movement leadership. They believe that failure of the doomsday prophecy led to a big revolt in the ranks of the sect, and the leaders set a new date um, with a plan, basically. So, um, additionally, witnesses said that the mass leadership or the movement leadership had never spoken of mass suicide when preparing for the end of the world. Um, But a survivor recalled meeting a devout member of the cult with nails and a hammer on his way after he had left the cult. So this was probably the guy that had actually boarded all the windows to the building where the fire was. And of course, like the government responds totally upset by this. President Yari Muznevi calls the event a mass murder by the priests for monetary gain. Um, The vice president said that they were callously well-orchestrated mass murderers and they were perpetrated by a network of diabolic, malevolent criminals masquerading as religious people. So although it was initially assumed that the five leaders died in the fire, they now believe that at least Joseph Kibitiri and Credonia Merwinde may still be alive. Mm. Um, the reason why they think this was that in 2014, Uganda National Police got reports that Kibwatiri was actually hiding in Malawi, which is a extremely war-torn country. At least it was the last time I looked at Malawi. Okay. Okay. So let's kind of go down the, the little rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. Get a little bit more random ass information. <laughs> um, so like I said, they think that there may have been some murder and torture prior to the final massacre. There were numerous wide, deep pits where they would find dozens of bodies that had been dumped over several years. Hmm. Um, so this is some stuff that they found out since the 20, original 2014 articles that I could find. Okay. And at the back of like a ruined office building, they found a bunch more pits that they thought were torture chambers. Um, and they found these pits near other branches of the church as well. Spirit movements that bear the hallmarks of the Kanugu cult where devotees unquestionably believe their pastors can resurrect the dead or that holy water will heal ailments and they have continued to emerge across the continent. So similar to this cult, Hmm. and these are some of their tenant beliefs, right? Yeah. So the villagers just in the area described all the followers as polite. They never caused any problems. Um, and most of the days, like I said, they, they had a primary school. They spent their time taking care of the land and they didn't really think that this was possible. Like everybody was just really confused. Yeah. How did these nice yeah. people suddenly murder children? Um, but somebody that survived the big fire said that in reality, what was going on is people had been dying because they weren't eating. They had severe malnutrition. A lot of people were really ill members had to get up at three o'clock in the morning and pray for three hours before they would go work in the field. So that's super sad. And the final weird rabbit hole feat for you is that there's a little weird connection. There's a cult in Australia that follows the principles of this cult. Okay. So it's, not just that they follow the principles, 
the leader of this cult, um, his name is William Cam, actually met Kib- with Kibwiteri in the 90s. Hmm. And Kibwiteri even writes about the Australian cult in some of the doctrination from the movement. So William Cam is also known as the Little Pebble, and he is the leader of this religious group in Australia. Um, this religious group is called the Order of St. Charbel, sometimes called the Community, uh, and it's named after the Marianite St. Charbel Makalov. The order claims to be part of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, but the Marianite Church and the Holy See do not think that they are part of the Roman <laughs> Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, they're, they're considered a Christian sect and kind of a fringe group. I can't imagine what makes them a fringe group. They think they can bring people back from the dead. I mean, they're sacramentally cared for by Malcolm Broussard, who is a former parish priest from Texas, who was consecrated, um, who was consecrated as a bishop in Germany. He was in Bavaria. His Episcopal ordination was not authorized, though, by the Roman Catholic Church. So he was excommunicated. Hmm. Um, He had already been suspended previously for being a priest in not good standing, whatever that means. Um, And he ordained a bunch of men in his group to be priests, but most of them did not take the traditional promise of clerical celibacy. And he was ordained by Cam as a deacon for the Order of St. Charbel in 2004. So what, what do these people believe in? Well, I'm sure it's going to surprise you. <laughs> but Lil Pebble himself says that, and he, that's Cam in case I didn't say that earlier. Yeah. He claims that the Latin rite rules of obligatory celibacy do not apply. Even if the Pope declared it, he still would not be celibate. <laughs> so it's Understandable. I, you know. Might, might as well, right? There, there are worse things than getting rid of the celibacy of priests. So, you know. That's... You know, I kind of agree with that. I don't really care if they're celibate or not. I don't think it affects. I mean, it doesn't affect how I view the church. There's probably a, a tremendous reason. It didn't have but... to be for about the first thousand plus years. So, uh, you know, it's okay. So, Right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. On October 14, 2005, Cam sentenced to five years in prison with non-parole period of three and a half years because he sexually attacks people, um, including a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. yeah. But he claims that it's okay because she's one of his 84 mystical wives. Yeah, there's where you cross over from non-celibate priests to rapists. So, yeah, okay. Yep. The assault occurred when the girl was living with the Order of St. Charbel in a community near Nowra, New South Wales. Um, and he claims that he received advice from the Virgin Marys that the girl should be chosen as one of the 12 kings and se- queens and 72 princesses that would become his wife, which whom he would spawn a new human race after the world was cleansed by a burnt ball of fire. <laughs> God. That, that's quite the that mouthful there. Quickly, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that went uh, spiraling out of control pretty quickly from we're just a sect that doesn't want <laughs> celibacy of priests. All right. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. That escalated just, quickly. All right. It did. 
So he defends his polygamy saying that Mary had instituted him to be the new Abraham. Sure. And his uh, letters and diary entries to the 15 year old girl were made public during the court session. And it displays that he had a pretty explicit sexual style um, and ended up being pretty big evidence in his prosecution. Uh, what a messed up weirdo. Okay. So, yeah, he was found guilty. Uh, yep. Yep. We run into these occasionally. Uh, so he's found guilty in 2007 of aggravated sexual assault and aggravated indecent assault in relation to yet another 15 year old girl. After losing an appeal for his original sentence, he was resentenced to a total of 15 years with a non parole period of 11. They do not mess around with rapists in Australia. Good for them. He was due to be eligible to be released in 2013. But they said, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) But he was eventually granted a release in 2014. Mm. Um, He did serve his time. I am not really sure that you can rehabilitate a rapist. That may be where, like, my general thing of rehabilitation is the way to go. Especially a rapist that forms an entire cult dedicated to their rape. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't think that person is unlikely to you know be a recidivist it seems like you know this is well if you don't think you did anything wrong to begin with then why would you change your ways yeah so he also thinks he's gonna be a pope um and has decided that he'll take the name of pope peter the second because there's only been one Pope Peter, which was the original Peter original with Peter. Whom, whom the church. <laughs> no, you go there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and he also had a bunch of unusual prophecies that were never fulfilled, including the start of World War Three, 2020, man. I'm just letting you know. This yeah. guy just was a little ahead of his time. He claimed that Pope John Paul II, who was, you know, like a pretty popular Pope during this period of time, would yeah. consecrate him as a bishop appoint him to his official role and as the successor to the papacy. Um, when Pope John II died in 2005, he said, heaven clearly changed its plans. Um, <laughs> and at that point, the claims have changed to state that Cam is to be the successor, successor of Benedict, the ex-BI, instead of John Paul II, um, and that Pope John Paul will rise from the dead reappear on the surface of the world again to fight evil along with Benedict and possibly appoint Cam. Nice. I wonder, wonder what his thoughts are now that Benedict is gone and he's still not Pope. Well, in 2014, <laughs> there was a statement that um, he and his so-called order of the tribal supposedly have no connection to the Marianite church. Yes. Um, Cause remember he was excommunicated. <laughs> so. Oh they, yes. I- just wondering what his story is now. That's all. He hasn't officially stated it in anything I saw. All right. Um, weird little trivia. He's expected to have fathered more than 20 children during his days as the cult leader, which is super gross to me. <sighs> he remarried after he was released to one of his cult members. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Clearly, clearly has served his time and has learned. Yes. 
Okay. Well, one of the conditions of his parole is that he's not allowed to have unsupervised contact with anyone below the age of 18. Okay. I'm very curious on how that works. Like, is there someone that's keeping an eye on that? Um, yeah, I hope so. Agent? Because I doubt it. So. I, yeah. Oof. It's a lot of information. Anyhow. Colts. Good times. Yep. Interesting and horrifying. Yeah. It is. It's always interesting. And I think it's always interesting when you have another cult that got their start from, because that's very common yeah. in these cults is that you get a cult that was started by a cult. So the yeah. Spin off cult. Yeah. Yeah. And super crazy wealthy. Yeah. Super crazy wealthy. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, people still think that he's, he's the prophet. <laughs> Oh boy. I mean, I'm glad people have faith in something that strongly that they go that blind. I mean, I don't know that I believe in anything enough to sell all my possessions and go work my ass off in a field all day, but yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's just in your other cults when it's, it's clear that your glorious leader has gone to prison for raping kids, then maybe, maybe it'd be time to give them up, but yeah, but they didn't. That's the thing is that he's got them so brainwashed that they truly do not believe that he did anything wrong. Because yeah, he, yeah. This is what the Virgin Mary said, and they believe him so much. Why would why would the if the Virgin Mary said so? That I oof, uh, brainwashing, brainwashing. Yes. All so yeah. Right. I, I looked up the, the strange and the unusual. And yes, so that is strange and unusual. Now, cannot say I knew anything about it's strange because I don't remember. I mean, I had to have seen news stories about this back at the time, but I somehow don't remember it. So, Well, it's really interesting you say that. Um, interesting in that in, in the new series of Unsolved Mysteries, I was watching it. It's on Netflix if anyone's interested. And um, I always watch Unsolved Mysteries with that like little bit of, I wonder if I know anyone that was ever involved in an unsolved mystery or mm -hmm. like, what would I do if anything ever happened? Literally the second episode is about a kid who grew up in Topeka, not far from where I grew up and went to my high school and graduated during the time my brother was at the high school. Oh, nice. He unfortunately was killed. Maybe um, went missing mm -hmm. back in 2004 and I would have, you would think I would have known about this because I graduated high school yeah. in 2002. Why did I not hear about this kid that we went to high school with? Yeah. But I have no memory. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, things happen and we were, yeah. the internet did not exist like it does now. Yeah. And I mean, living in America, we like to ignore most of what's going on in the rest of the world, especially especially Africa and Asia and, you know, other places, those news stories tend to get buried. So, Especially Africa. You don't hear much about what's going on there. Like the whole locust plague things really died down, but they're really struggling with yeah. it over there. I don't know. Uh, well, cool. Thanks for, thanks for that. I, I totally did not know about any of that. So it's pretty wild. That's yeah. Yeah. I do what I can to find the strange. Yes, yes. I I will try to find a, a not such a strange story about Africa, though, because Africa is <laughs> super interesting. 
but I just was like, oh, what's something we haven't talked about? A James Day cult. Oh, we haven't talked about this country. I'm going to specifically find. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to be equal opportunity, strange and unusual, but yeah, it's not yeah. always easy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, great job. And uh, we will be back next week with a, another another fun topic. So thank you all for listening and rate, review, subscribe, and uh, we will catch you all later. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.